Love that, love that. Love that, love that. Good morning, Grand Blink. Good morning, Freedom Center and all the ships at sea. Um, I got about 20 minutes. How many of you guys want to hear a 35-minute sermon in 20 minutes? Say amen. It's going to sound like an auction, right? It's going to be awesome. So Solomon is the wisest king in the history of the nation of Israel. All history records this, and the Queen of Sheba comes and sees the splendor. And, and, but yet understand that when you're the smartest guy ever, the only thing that keeps you from, from success is legacy. I know what to do. My generation's here. But I have, I have sons that will be kings. I have daughters that are royalty. I have a kingdom that's counting on good leadership. And so they, he understood right away that something had to happen that had to be just more than him. And this is what he says to his children. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. What he's saying is this. Instructions are always connected to an instructor. And, and wisdom that our heart is going towards, and knowledge that our, that our heart is going towards, always comes from the mouth, from the heart of a teacher. One of the things that the wisest man ever said to the people he cared about the most in his life was you guys have to listen to people that know what they're talking about. Isn't that funny? As a king, he's saying to royalty, the first thing you should do, the most important, the, the thing that is preeminent is make sure that when there's a teacher in the room, you shut your pie hole, you open your ears, and you open your heart. And all the teachers said amen, right? right? So my experience with teachers really got off to uh, a rough start. I don't, uh, I don't talk about this often, but it's... It is a part of my story. I was institutionalized uh, as, a, as a very young child. Um, there was an awkwardness in the home. There was a, something was happening. People were whispering. There was a tension that was palpable. And my mother came into my room one morning and woke me up earlier than I was accustomed to being awoken, awakened. All the English teachers are freaking out right now. Woke up there. And uh, she dressed me in clothes that were I'd never seen before. Uh, I'd never owned clothes like these before. Uh, she fed me some breakfast. She was emotional. She was crying. And when we were done, she walked me to the end of the driveway where a stranger collected me. Um, I'd never seen the woman that picked me up before. I'd, I'd never met her prior to that day. And I got into the vehicle, and, and I was taken away. Um, it was my first day of kindergarten. <laughs> and we didn't get off to a good start. My mom's like, you're lying, Jimmy. She's online going, Jimmy, shut up. This isn't true. Well, I, I, I remember later on, I said, how'd you do that? My kids are going to school. She said, what you didn't see was the crazy parent in the maverick behind the school bus hiding behind the steering wheel trying not to be seen. I was the lady in the bushes looking through the window getting the cops called on her because I wanted to make sure you're okay. But I remember that sense of I, I don't like this place. I don't know these people. Everybody's wearing new clothes. There's still tags. How many of you guys know that you shouldn't put children's clothes on and associate the word husky? Like, can't we just have, like, 12 or 10 or 8? But, you know, yeah, this is Jimmy's clothes. How do you know? Because it says Husky and Kmart on it. Hallelujah. Right? What a great thing. So my experience with teachers got off to a rough start in 1970, but it was there that I met some of the most amazing people um, called teachers. And I was not the easiest child. Some people say that I suffered from ADHD before that was kind of diagnosable. I, I want you to know I did not suffer from it. I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> My teachers suffered from it, <laughs> the children within a proximity of, of voice or glue or scissors may have suffered from it, but I, I actually had fun with it. And I, and I just I want to share with you something from the grown-up student that maybe is the kind of student that this year is going to make you want to do something else for a living. So from a perspective of a 55-year-old talking about all the way back to 1970 when I was five, hear, hear my heart. You've got to know a couple of things. Number one is this. You, gotta, you need to know they're getting it. 
You need to know as a teacher they're getting Because there's days it's going to feel like they're not getting it. But the other night, I'm out walking. Dan and Kelly and my wife were out walking in downtown Fenton. I think we had dinner, walking around. And somebody commented on this beautiful, kind of unique, tropical shrub that had large red flowers. I said, what kind of is that? I said, oh, that's a hibiscus. And they all stopped and looked at me like, how do you know that? And I, I went, I don't really know. How, how do I know that? So I thought, did I watch it on Jeopardy? Did I do it? And I remember, I remember being back. I was five years old, and Mrs. Jackson had us do a project on the state of Hawaii, and the yellow hibiscus is the state flower of Hawaii. Fifty years ago, the word hibiscus was introduced to my little soul. Fifty years later, I'm walking through Fenton, and I look smart. Thank you, Mrs. Jackson, right? She, she taught me some things about life. My, my mom taught me, my dad taught me the potty training and the walking. My brother and sister taught me how to ride a bike and, you know, how to ride a motorcycle and how to ride a horse and how to get a goat angry and how to, all the things that you learn. But it was the teacher that taught me the writing and the reading. I remember, you, I just remember this maybe, the thrill of actually opening a book. You've seen other people open a book and start talking. I opened a book and I watched Spot Run. You remember that one? Run, Spot, Run. Mrs. Jackson was looking over my shoulder in a circle of kids during reading time. We were broken into groups. And she said, Jimmy, why don't you read the book? And I opened the book, and I went, She said, okay, sound it out. Run. She said, yes. And you'd have thought I just call out the winning lottery number. You know, 43, 2, Powerball is 18. Yes! She went nuts because Jimmy had just learned something that he would use for the rest of his life under Mrs. Jackson's care. I remember Mrs. Black in fifth grade. She taught me how to sing a song in Mandarin Chinese. I have no idea what the words mean. I have, I have no idea any other words. Mandarin, I can see, sang, shu, mama, how, I mean, all the pronunciation, Right? And you're like, that was terrible. I sure it is. If there's anybody watching in China, my humble American apologies for butchering your language and evidently mine this morning as well. But I want you to know this, guys. When, when you teach the, the common words that you speak, they have the power to become what someone knows for the rest of their lives. You're that person. You're in the room. It was your tutelage that led them there. I, I missed a lot of school. There were some issues in my family that caused me to move around a little bit. Third grade, I had five different teachers. And in third grade at the time, they taught you long division. Uh, long division, as you all know, is multiplication and reverse. But it's not that simple. You have to, like, like, draw this thing, and numbers go on this side, and numbers go on top, and then the answer somehow emerges at the bottom. Well, I missed that because I was moving from one school to the next. And they said, well, you'll just catch up. How many of you guys know you say you'll just catch up to a third grader? What you just said is you're being left behind. <laughs> so the next school, do you know long division? And I, it's, everybody else does. How many of you guys know what it would be like if everybody could hear, but you couldn't? You'd feel different. Everybody could see, but you couldn't. Everybody could... Could, could taste, but you had COVID kind of thing, right? Like, I just, everybody has something I don't have, but it's so common. So what I did is I faked it because I was ashamed not to know what even the dumb kids in class knew. I was dumber than the dumb kids, and it just, it was terrible. So I, I went through fourth grade, and then fifth grade, I'm faking it. Every time it was long division, because as you get into fourth grade, they start using like decimal points and multiple numbers. There's isn't one divided by another one. It's like these things get harder. You have to know the formula to make it work. I'm telling you this like you don't know this, and everybody in the room knows this, right? And, and I, I remember sixth grade, I faked it and got an E. Seventh grade, I faked it. I got an E. Eighth grade, I ran into Mr. Milkovich at Highland Junior High School, a school so tough that they tore it down 10 years ago. 
And I remember Mr. M saying to me, uh, Wiglard, come here. My last name's Wiegand, but it's hard to pronounce for teachers for some reason. Wiglard, like I'm Wiglard, you know. Be the fat kid with Husky and be Wiglard. That's all I'm saying. Get that name right. So I walk forward to Mr. M, and he goes, hey, you, you don't know how to divide whole numbers, do you? And I went, wow. <laughs> He said, what are you doing after school today? I said, I'm oh, just hanging out, going to watch Gunsmoke, you know, something, something good. And, uh, and he said, uh, how far away do you live from the school? I'm like, where is this going? I said, probably five, six miles. He said, can you walk five or six miles? I mean, I said, no, this is a moment that's going to change the rest of my life. And I said, yeah, man enough to walk five or six. Okay, you are staying after school today, and if I can teach you in time to catch the bus... But if not, you have to walk home. Is that a deal? I went, well, uh, he said, I'll call your mom. I'm like, oh. How many of know that what a kid like me never wants to hear is I'll call your mom. I, I don't want you even knowing each other. I want parent-teacher conferences. It was like the Nuremberg trials. You just kind of sat in the chair and just felt like, you know. Jimmy's a good student. Jimmy has potential, which we all know means Jimmy doesn't use any of it. That's why I brought it out, you know. I'm trying to find something positive to say about your kid. He doesn't sweat much for a fat kid. He's really, I don't know what to say. He's Jimmy, right? So I stayed after class. I missed the bus. But Mr. Milkovich taught me to divide long numbers in about 15 minutes. And because of him, to this day, I use a calculator just like you do. (laughs) But you got to know this. He didn't just teach me a long division. He taught me I wasn't stupid. Teachers, hear me. You're going to get kids in your class that don't know what they should know. You're going to get kids that someone else failed or they failed themselves or their parents failed them. You stand in that position, not just to teach them long division or how to use the proper past tense word for awake. You get to teach them that they are somebody. Your knowledge in your head, once it's put in their head, produces someone who has a confidence they didn't have before you taught them. You're in that position to almost prophesy their destiny. I, I, I love the story of a man who walked up. There's a large building under construction. There's bricklayers, and they're, they're mudding the brick, and they're putting it down. They're tapping it. They're looking the lever. They're cleaning up their joint. They grab another brick. They mud it up. And then, so he walks to the first man and says, hey, what are you, what are, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm laying bricks. Right? Second person, hey, what are you doing? He said, I am, uh, I'm constructing a church. He said, oh, that's great. The third guy, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm building the house of God. See, one person had a job. One person had a responsibility. But one person understood that what they were building served a purpose in the world that was greater than just the bricks they were attaching to each other. They realized that this building is going to be a place where this community and the surrounding communities can come and it's time to marry their young and bury their old and dedicate their babies and make decisions and, and believe something that's worth believing in. And as he laid each brick, he felt this sense of pride that I'm not building a building. I am building something larger than the works of my hands. I'm giving people a chance. In other words, you're preparing them for who God made them to be. All three bricklayers, right? They're doing the same job, but only one realized that what they were doing was putting something sacred. Everybody say sacred. In the motion. You're giving them knowledge. Um, my favorite teacher is a woman named Karen Waltz. And believe it or not, in 1980s, she let us call her Karen when there were no grown-ups around. <laughs> and uh, if there were grown-ups around, it was Mrs. Waltz. And, and she was tough, and she was tender, 
and she was hilarious, and she allowed me to do some things that she probably would get fired for doing. I, I would, and again, my mom's watching right now, don't listen to this part, mom, just wash the dishes real quick, but I remember one time I got a hold of some bad dope, and I was so stoned that, that it was obvious that I was, something was wrong with me. I, you know, and again, if you're here, just understand, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. And part of that was the 70s and part of that was the 80s. But something was in the dope. I don't know if it was laced with something. And I was just out of my mind. Like I was seeing things. I was scared. I was so stoned. I was scared. And I was walking through the hallways not really knowing what class was supposed to be, what time of day it was. And I ran into Karen Waltz. And she said, Jimmy, what's going on? I said, I, I, and how many of you know that when you're close to somebody, you can be honest with them? I said, I got into something. I don't know what it is, but it's in me. And I, I don't know what to do. She said, follow me. She walked me not to the principal's office, but to her office. She said, lay on the floor and don't move. I'm going to teach a class. I'll be back and check on you. How many guys know that if I OD on her floor and I'm dead, she has problems. She comes back and I've eaten the tests. She has problems. She took personal responsibility for, for a punk that was breaking the law and said, I will treat you as if you were mine, not as if you were the states or your parents or the school districts. You were mine. Then one day, Something wonderful happened. I met Jesus, 16 years old. I go to a rock concert because a pretty girl invited me. It was not the pursuit of God. It was something else. She said, hey, I got an extra ticket to a concert. I misunderstood her evangelistic missionary dating strategy to be affection. And I said, let me pray about it. Amen. Yes. And so an atheist who dealt with a lot of issues and drugs and dealing drugs and buying drugs, and every time the phone would ring, my stomach would drop like, oh, my gosh, it's the police, it's the school, it's her dad. That was me, Right? And when someone who's, who's attractive and nice and educated and, you know, clean says, hey, do you want to go to a concert with me? The right answer, gentlemen, is yes. So I said, I'm in. Well, I didn't realize it was like an evangelistic outreach. And so I walk in and everybody's at the music, the lights. It was awesome. It was like this morning. It was just, it was like jamming and there was like, you know, video TVs and it was so disco. And I remember these guys in spandex with, uh, with tank tops and Mr. T starter kits and perms prettier than my sister. All of a sudden the lights come down and there's one spotlight and this guy sits on a stool and opens up a book I'd seen before but I'd never really listened to. And he starts reading out of the Bible. And I don't know how to explain this to you. I'm not trying to make my experience your experience, but hear me. When he started talking, something dead in me started coming alive, started waking up. I don't remember what he said. I just, I'll never forget that sense of something, something I've never experienced, something divine, something otherworldly is happening to me. And he, he's, I remember that he said, anybody here tonight, if you want to give your life to Jesus, he gave his life for you. And if anybody here wants to reciprocate that kindness and give your life to him, stand up from where you are and walk to this altar. I remember thinking, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I remember praying, God, if you're real, you got to get me through this because I, I actually don't want this girl to think of me any other way besides I'm awesome. And so, yeah, I'm a sinner. is not the best way. And all of a sudden, there's a tap on my shoulder and my buddy Wolfman, who's sitting on the other side. By the way, she invited him, and he thought that she liked her too. This woman was an evangelist. I felt this tap on my shoulder. He leaned over. I said, wait, he goes, I want to go down there. I don't want to go down by myself or you go down there with me. And I said, Psh, coward, yeah. He's weak, strong, like bull. Follow me. And I walked down there. Man, I cried like a baby. I walked in an atheist. I, I walked out having met my creator, and it radically changed my life. So I came back to Mrs. Waltz, and I said, I'm so excited. She said, what now? <laughs> I mean, so when that kid goes, I'm so excited. It probably means somebody threw up in the lunchroom. 
so excited. I put a snake in her locker. Wait for the scream, you know. So excited. I said, I gave my life to Jesus. And she just started to weep. She said, oh, Jim, Jim, it's like a prayer has been answered. It's, she gives me this mother hug, not this like institutional three, you know, obligatory three-pat hug. Pat, 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 you're done. She gave me a mother hug. Oh, Jim, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. And I said, hey, I just need to do something. Would you help me? She said, anything, Jim, what can I do? I said, I want to tell the whole class what God did in my life Friday night. Could I stand up and tell people about Jesus? And she said, Jimmy, I'll get fired if I do that. I said, Mrs. Walsh, you hate your, your job. Like, this is, like, this, I'm doing you a favor. Work with me here. She said, listen, I'm at her office is right next to that classroom. She said, I'll be in my classroom. I'm going to leave the door cracked open. I hear any screaming, any, like, I'm back in. I said, oh, why would they scream? I'm not that good of a preacher. So I got up and I told the whole class everything I knew about Jesus. And that was Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't have a Mr. T starter kit. Anybody got spandex? This would be better if I was wearing tight pants, you know? My, I need my guitar and a perm. I just said, I met this person. And they said, oh, you want a date with what's her name? Ah. I said, man, I'm in love. They're like, yeah, Jimmy's got a woman, you know. I said, and, and I said something like, he loves me. And there was like, he? Kind of that Scooby snack moment, like, uh, you know. I said, his name is Jesus. And you could have heard a pin drop. Because they knew who I was when I went home Friday. And they saw a new man standing there on Monday. And Mrs. Waltz somehow, she said to me, Jimmy, you know, I'm going to trust you with my class. And she left. About two weeks later, she said, I got tasked with being the <coughs> senior class sponsor, which means I have to be there all the cold nights building the float. I have to pick certain people. She goes, would you be the speaker? Would you stand up in front of people and tell them what God has done for you for the senior class for graduation? I said, how many guys know that there's moments where you just, you're just glad you didn't have salad for lunch. Let's just say it that way. Like, it's like, I don't know what to do. And I said, oh, okay. She said, here's the scripture verse I want you to teach on about the house being built on the rock and the wind and the rain came. And I didn't write a sermon because sermon writing felt more like homework. I just trusted the Holy Spirit. Let's just say it that way. It wasn't, wasn't a lack of diligence. But, but what I'm trying to say is simply this. She, her Sunday school class sponsored me to go to Haiti where I found my calling to serve God in, in people's lives. She, she was... Uh, proud of me when I gave my life to Christ. She let me hide when I should have gone to jail and, and all the other stuff that would have happened in my world if she had turned me in and taken me in the office. She was, she was that person that was there when I needed someone to be there. I was hiding from all the authority. She didn't come in as an authority. She came in as a friend and she believed in me. What I'm trying to say is simply this. Somehow Mrs. Waltz knew who I was before I did. Piano guy, join me if you would. Listen, the position you're in as an educator You've done this long. Mrs. Molero, are you still here? I, I think you are. Yes. She was actually my kindergarten. I'm kidding. She wasn't. But she's been doing this a long time. Like, like you know, my, my little son, J.D., my little boy, he was, she was the, the, his kindergarten teacher. And, I mean, he's married. And I know what happens after people get married. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, I have no doubt that I mean, my, my grandson is in preschool this year and could be in your class next year. That's how cool being a teacher is. You're not, you're not a, a professional talking about professional. It's not information. It's something much larger than that. Now, we're, I'm going to prove this to you as I close today. How many guys know what it means when, a, when an Assemblies of God pastor says, in closing? Anybody? It means nothing. But we're going to try. All right? We're going to try. And this is the exercise. The people that are here regularly, you'll understand this exercise. But when I say go, I want you to begin a process where you can answer a question. The question is simply this. When you can name five lectures lessons or sermons name them not well like i preached so that that college professor when you can name the lecture when you can name the 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 teaching when you can name the sermon 
and give me detail about it. Five of them, I can do five of those. I want you to raise your hand when I say go. Everybody understand the assignment? Okay, and your market set, go. I can name five lessons, lectures, or sermons. You're looking at your pastor saying, I can't think of five. Keep going. I, a matter of fact, I'll let just this dangle in the wind for a while because it's kind of fun. And I've done this by now hundreds of times, probably all of the United States, even outside the United States. We're going to change the assignment. So far in a room with several hundred people in it, not a single person can name five lectures, lessons, sermons that changed your life. Second, we're just going to change one word. Get rid of the word lesson, lecture, sermon. The question is now this. When you can name five of these, then I want you to raise your hand. Nice and high and don't put it back down again. Raise it and leave it up. Here's the assignment. Not lectures, lessons, sermons, but if, can you name five people that have changed your life? Can I see your hand? And hold them up. Keep them up there. Keep them up. I mean, this is a time thing. Think about them. It's this person, that person, this person, that person. I can name five people. Now, leaving them up. Leaving them up. Teachers, I want you to see this. If one of those people in your head that deserves to be on that list is a teacher, I want you to leave your hand up. If not, go ahead and take it down. What I'm simply saying is this. The lessons you teach are secondary to the person you are. Nobody knows. You want to put your hands down? It's starting to look like a rally of some sort. <laughs> no one knows what education level you have. No one knows if you have four master's degrees or, or your teaching certificate or you, you lied on your resume. Nobody knows. What they do know is there was someone in my life that cared about me that knew my name. Miss Miller, you wouldn't remember this, but when J.D. went in, we always called him J.D. because I'm Jim Sr., he's Jim Jr., and so the birth certificate name is James. And on the desk was the name James. And we couldn't find his desk because we don't know no James. Again, the teacher, <laughs> English teacher's like, oh, double negative, uh, dangling participle, man, stop it, stop it. And so we went to her and said, hey, hey, it's, it's got, she's, and she stopped. She interrupted everything, like, like, let's get your name. Buddy, we're going to get your name right because this is going to be the place where you're going to, and she made him feel so special. Like one of the best things that happened to his education is because his name was wrong, he got 30 seconds of Mr. Bolero's undivided time. And when he had stitches in his head and he looked like Scar from Lion King, he couldn't wait to show her this just gnarly scar because Miss Bolero's going to be so proud because I bled. It's wonderful, right? So... What's important is simply this, right? What's taught is important, but who teaches it is even more so. If you, you just don't have to love teaching. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be the best organized. What you have to do is love the people you teach. And I want to do the second part of my closing with this thought. Um, the greatest singular act of love known to mankind is when God the Father turns to God the Son and says, I want to make you a gift. There's a world that is separate from me because of the choices and decisions. Some they made, some they didn't make. But they're, they'll be victimized by the decisions of their predecessors. They'll, there's no way out. So somebody has to go and, and be where they are, succeed where they failed, and pay the price for mankind's failures. And so Jesus then takes on flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14, dwells among us. The greatest gift ever given. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, loved us so much that he gives his son. And now Jesus is in the position of changing the world and bringing the kingdom to earth. So how many of you guys know that if you decide, well, I'm going to be as an entrepreneur. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I'm going to be the Jeff Bezos of Israel. I'm going to, I'm going to 
out-earn the Romans. I'm going to buy lots of property. We're going to establish a, a stronghold and a compound, and it's going to be well-funded because I've chosen entrepreneurialism to be the bastion from which to bring heaven to earth. But entrepreneurialism fell short. So he said, I, you know, I, how about if I become a legislator? I will write such decent laws, such fair laws, that the unfairness, the inequities, the, the conflicts, the laws will be worded in such a way, such a perfect way that mankind will see something and come together. Like we can rally around this constitution of Israel, this declaration of independence of our nation. We, we're all here, we're all together, but it wasn't the legislature. He could have said, you know what, I desire to be emperor. Moses defeated Pharaoh. I can defeat Israel, or Rome rather, and I can take over the nation. I can be the emperor of the Roman Empire. And it wasn't that. When Jesus decided how to change the world, he took on the nature of a servant and chose the profession of teaching. And from that platform, we stand here 2,000 years later still repeating the lessons he taught us. You have greater influence than you can possibly imagine. So today we just wanted to say, God is with you. He is for you. God is on your side. I'm not saying every parent will be. I'm not saying every policy will be. I feel so bad. I was a waiter. I, I had a career as a waiter. And those were three of the longest days of my life. Because I stood between a kitchen who didn't prepare food well and a customer who was paying for a product they weren't getting. And the kitchen never heard. The manager never heard. The owner never heard. I heard the complaints of the people I was just there simply to serve. Does this make sense? And as a teacher, sometimes, I, I, again, I, I'm Mrs. Malero moment. I'm hard to make this about you. Jesus and Mrs. Malero, they're just good friends. We're just going to talk about both of them today. But I remember there was some weird stuff going on with the board and the controversy and the charter and Eastern Michigan and a, a PTA board that had their undies in a bunch or whatever it was. And I, I remember going to her one time just casually saying, you know, just so you know, I just want you to know, here's some, I think, brownies my wife made for you. When it comes to Holly Academy, I don't care about administration. I don't know what the budget is. I don't care what the calendar events is. You are Holly Academy to my family. And I want you to know it's the greatest school we could ever send our kids to. Thank you. And she just, she said, that's so nice. I'm like, don't cry on the brownies. <laughs> Teachers, I wish I could make you all cry today. Stories you'll never hear. You've heard a few of them today. I just want you to know you're making a huge difference. When God wanted to change the world, he sent his son. And his son decided teaching was the platform from which to change the world. So, Father, I pray over this group of teachers. Every parent is a teacher. Every grandparent is a teacher. Every sibling is a teacher. Every book is a teacher. Every, every teacher, every educator, God, every influencer. We are creating a world. We're laying bricks on top of bricks. We're cementing them together as knowledge and thought and philosophy and faith. Just begin to build something that, that the wind cannot tear down, the rain cannot beat away, that the, the, the floods cannot wash away. God, the, the minds of our students, of our children, God, we fight. We fight for this next generation to be the greatest generation that our nation, that this world has ever seen. So bless God, I pray that those who stand in the classrooms, those who institutionalize their children and place them on, on buses with pants that say husky on them, those who, who labor in the same direction to produce um, a brightness, a curiosity, an intuitiveness, a knowledge. God, I pray that you would bless every effort because you love kids. It seems, <laughs> it seems in Scripture more so than, than even the grown-ups, God. You instruct us to grow up to be like them not them to be like us. So I, I just pray, God, bless the hands that mold the clay. Bless the hands that lay the bricks. Bless the hands. Bless the hearts, the homes, the families, God. 
Listen, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm just going to end the service this way today. If you're here, you're like, you know what? I, I do need something from God. I know that's vague. Some are going to need something like, I, like, like my experience when I was 16 years old. I just need God to come into my life. Some of you are like, I, I need that one parent to create happiness whenever they go. Uh, some of you are going to be like, I, I, need, I need more time. I, I'm still short 14 glue sticks. I'm, but I have a need, and I want to bring God into my need. I, I don't want to live a life that is void of needing him. I, I want him to know that I'm. this is my prayer. Forgive me. This is my prayer. Provide for me. This is my prayer. Heal me. This is my prayer. God, guide me. But today I have a prayer. The day I lift my prayer before the Lord. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? God, here's my prayer. Here's my prayer, God. I got grandbabies starting in school. Here's my prayer, God. Here's my prayer, God. I got, I got with students, hundreds of students around this church, God. That's my prayer. We have teachers. Today, about 70 teachers in this room. God, that's my prayer. God, we ask you to answer our prayers. Whether it's great mercy, great encouragement, great love, great insight to know who these kids are supposed to be and call it out of them and demand it of them. Here's our prayer. We give you these requests with thanksgiving, God. We present them to you, knowing that you hear every prayer. And when we pray to you, our prayers are answered. I love you. I love you back in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Stand your feet, please, one last time. This is how we're going to dismiss today, okay? Um, if you're a teacher, our friends from Engaged Community Organization, ECO, is, are going to be over there handing out. We have, like, like sanitary stuff and pens and glue sticks and whatever whatever's over there. We have a gift bag. I think there's also a gift card in there for a certain amount. So you can go on Amazon and get the specific things that a child or you yourself need for school this year. So all of our teachers, don't be shy. We want you to take them. Uh, that we, we got them. We raised money so we could give them away. So don't ruin the blessing by not receiving what we're trying to give. The other thing is we got uh, turkey and gravy. Well, no, chicken, chicken and waffles.